Welcome back to another powerful episode of the Service First Podcast, where we explore the power of putting a commitment to others first in business and in life. Join us as we sit down with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who are making a positive impact through their commitment to service. Get ready to be inspired, learn from the best, and discover how you too can put service first. Um, But yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. This is episode two of the Service First podcast, and um, it's a pleasure to have all three Rice Girls here with me today. Got Nicole, Ellie, and Brooke, and we are recording in their family home in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, So thank you guys for doing this and being part of episode two. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so just kind of want to get started with some, some introductions, uh, let people know who you are and, uh, and why you're here. So, um, Brooke being the youngest, why don't you get started? I'm Brooke. Um, like Blaine said, I am the youngest, um, born in New Jersey originally, lived there for about a month and then grew up here in Jackson, Wyoming, um. I played college soccer at University of Colorado in Boulder and lived in Denver for a year because thought I wanted to do the city life and quickly came back to Jackson and jumped back into the restaurants with the family and now I have a son that's eight months old and a husband and a dog and just living the dream, I like to say. How about your sisters? You want to give them a brief introduction? Yeah, so Ellie, the middle child, um, she also obviously grew up in Jackson, um, played Division One soccer at Santa Clara University. Blaine is her high school sweetheart. They got married, and then they moved up to Bozeman to look over the restaurants up there and now they have a 10 month old son and a dog Gigi and they just built their first house and Nicole played division one soccer at <laughs> University of Wyoming um, met her husband there and moved back to Jackson she has two girls Reagan and Harper they're three and five um, and Yeah. <laughs> she was born in Hawaii. Born in Hawaii. And actually lived there for like... 10 months. 10 months instead of one. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, yeah, we, we uh, obviously have plenty of to, time to... We'll kind of reach back into the specifics of your guys' history and stuff, but just kind of wanted to give everybody a brief understanding of who you are and the family dynamic here. Um, and really... <laughs> Also, kind of talk about the purpose of the podcast, purpose of having the three of you on the podcast. Um, obviously, it's just great to, to hear your stories and all of that, but um, I've left this kind of vague intentionally because I think, it's, uh, I think it's helpful for you guys to come in without any preconceived notions of what to talk about or whatever, but um, really, I think one of the goals hopefully the audience, you know, it's a good, good content and people enjoy listening to the conversation, but also for your teams within blue collar that 
you know, as the company has scaled and, you know, we don't spend a ton of time in Jackson, you guys don't spend a ton of, ton of time in Bozeman, that people kind of get to know who you are and learn your story because it's tough to connect with everybody. Um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, one of the big goals of why we're here and, um, and just kind of getting to know the three of you. So, uh, Brooke, you, you mentioned that all three of you guys grew up here in Jackson. Um, we'd love to kind of hear a little bit about that and, you know, what your lives were like as kids growing up in Jackson Hole. Um, yeah, it was a great place to grow up and I can't imagine growing up anywhere else. Um, obviously all three of us are super close. We were in multiple sports growing up, um, soccer, swimming, skiing, gymnastics. Um, and we were also a very big part of the restaurants growing up. Um, our parents would work in the restaurants, one of them over the other, probably, almost 24 seven. So we spent a lot of time in there as young kids running around helping or thinking we're helping where we can. Um, but yeah, small town and um, really close niche community and just being in the mountains and being able to get outside and whenever we want it and explore where we live is, I just think it's a really unique place because that's not, it's not somewhere a lot of people get to grow up. So when you when you think back about like being a kid in Jackson Hole, like living here, what what stands out to you guys? Mm. What stands out? A lot of things. Um, I mean, Kelly School. <laughs> Going to elementary school at Kelly um, stands out where it was not our elementary school lives. I don't think we're normal in the sense of most kids' lives. Um, what is it about Kelly school that's not normal? <laughs> well, let's see. The first thing is that, uh, multiple first things, but the first thing that comes to mind is our playground was not a traditional playground. There was swing sets and that's about it and a warming hut but that wasn't traditional that was it was this old old structure two-story structure mm -hmm. with bench seats with gross carpet i don't oh, know if so, you guys played this but we so used to gross. play like the floor is lava that was mm -hmm. like our morning game um there's a tether ball a basketball court a gross slide that everyone was scared to go down because we heard horror stories of kids doing things down that slide um and uh, we played a lot of like football and ice hockey and capture the flag. Um, there was a sledding hill. And the other unique thing was the grades were combined. Kindergarten and first grade were a class, second and third grade were a class, and fourth and fifth grade were a class. Um, we learned to ski at Kelly School um, every Friday. We would go to Snow King and ski. So as far as growing up here, that had a big, um, unique impact on us a lot of really different field trips that i don't think you would get to do other places um and then in the restaurants you know waking up and going downstairs and helping my mom decan the tomatoes and the, all the big cans and deep hit avocados for guacamole um because you guys lived above mary piglets at the yeah, time yeah but this time we had lived we lived above mary piglets so 
I was, I don't know, three, four, five, probably closer to five at that time. Um, she would have pancakes from the flat top ready for me in the morning and run down the stairs in the back door. Um, I'm just like, I'm assuming dad was with you guys upstairs. Um, so your mom was cooking breakfast for you in the Mary Piglet's kitchen. Yes. It's like one of those, I guess, core memories you have. I don't have a ton of memories from mm -hmm. those times, but I remember specifically seeing pancakes on the flat top and then her in the back with the big can opener <laughs> and then scooping out the pits and the avocados. And I probably wasn't doing much, but I'd like to say I was helping. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Your, your parents mentioned that too, like really? having that memory of like your specifically your mom, like yeah. working the can opener. The it's funny how that one. I mean, we still, we still have them, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, Kelly School, you guys uh, touched on that a little bit, but so that's just kind of a more like super small town, uh, small town Wyoming upbringing. Um, and and then tell, like, tell me what it was like living above the restaurant with your parents working there all the time and stuff. Do you guys remember much about that? I don't know. I honestly, you guys probably don't remember. I don't remember it. I mean, you would probably be the only yeah. one. I in my memories are limited, but I we it was a two bedroom little apartment or three bedroom, I guess. Um, but we all shared a bedroom, the three of us, mm. um, bunk beds and Brooke's little twin bed. Um, but a lot of what I remember is. It's all good memories, but it's like running downstairs to see my mom, her coming home, my dad going downstairs to close the restaurant out, mm -hmm. you know, my mom taking us in the stroller um, somewhere probably to get us, let us lose some energy uh, at the park or um, I remember some babysitters, my grandmother coming out all the time and spending, you know, long periods of time with us, probably to help my parents. Um, Cause we weren't in, I think I was the only one that ended up going to a daycare center for a little bit of time. But for the most part, um, my parents just made it work. Cause that's all they, you know, could do at the time. And the age gap, like, so yeah, I guess walk us through that. Cause so you were, Nicole's the oldest and then by the time that Ellie and Brooke were around and getting into like kindergarten age, you guys moved out of that apartment above Mary Piglet's and mm -hmm. we moved north of town. I went, so yeah, I'm what, three and a half years older than you, four and a half years older than Brooke. Um, we lived in a couple houses in town when we, well, when we first moved to Jackson and then uh, once we moved out north of town, I, I did kindergarten and first grade in the town elementary school. So I didn't actually start in mm -hmm. Kelly school until second grade. Um, and then these two, you didn't know that? I think I forgot <laughs> about that. I think um, I did. These guys went to Kelly from kindergarten through mm -hmm. fifth. So I was second through fifth. So I got a little taste of real, whatever you want to call it, traditional school. And so by the time you guys were there at Kelly school and you said there were com you combined grades and you're already only 14 months apart or something. Right. Mm -hmm. the, so you guys were basically like, in the same might as well be twins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people thought we were twins at, at times. <clears throat> yeah. We were always in the same classroom. 
first. Yeah. How did that convey over to like the other parts of childhood? Hmm. Um, well, like we were all three very close, but because Brooke and I were only like 14 months apart, <laughs> sometimes classrooms and everything. Yeah, sometimes like Brooke and I probably would do more stuff together than Nicole. Not because I was always the third wheel. It's not because we didn't like her. We just like third, just old. third wheel life right here she all day, every day. Old. She was older, and Brooke and I had like the same friends. It wasn't cool to them. The same everything. We were on the same sports too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was like a big thing. We go to practice together. Yeah. Everything. And sports were like a pretty important part of your life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just were life. Right. Yeah. Life was sports. Like. Why do you think that is? I mean, obviously, your dad was an athlete and stuff, but, like, why were, I mean, all three of you ending up playing collegiate soccer, I mean, but being involved in lots of other sports when you were growing up, what was it about sports that you guys felt, like, connected to? Mm -hmm. I love the competition. Like, I just, I was that kid that, like, looked forward to the mile test in P.E., because I want it to win. <laughs> like I like thinking back to that, like I'm like so weird. <laughs> to be honest. We know. <laughs> but, the but I think I just I like loved I just love competition. I loved like just whatever it was. Yeah. Winning or just like trying to like be do, better. Do better than I did the last time. Be the best. And I don't know. I just it was like thrilling to me. So I think that's cool because I mean you don't most people don't probably no. pick up pick that up about you. No, about like no one thinks to themselves. Yeah, Ellie's a really competitive person, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you were in sports, and, and especially yes. as a kid. Yeah, it was kind of like what consumed my thoughts was sports, and maybe competing with your younger sister. Mm hmm. Yeah, competing with Brooke or Nicole. Like, but I just never got to play on her team. Yeah, it was also like an. Oh, I'm sure in some ways my parents were like, you know, get them in as many as activities as we can because mm -hmm. they're so busy in the restaurants. And obviously it's good for you to be active and be out there, create a lot of friendships that way, social life. Um, but yeah, the competition definitely drives you. <laughs> Do you think back on that and think like you, you know, were really uh, driven or guided by any individuals in particular? I mean, obviously a lot of people say they, you know, their parents and stuff. So I guess start there. What do you think back about the, the early life lessons picked up from each of your parents? Hmm. The, I think the biggest thing is just like hard work, you know, it, that's like, something that you control and seeing my parents work so hard from a young age mm -hmm. and then doing like the best that they could to raise three of us like i tell my mom now i'm like how the heck did you guys do what you did and have three of us like i have two young girls and i i can't even imagine and I, and back then i mean they were trying to create a business they were struggling financially all those things so but seeing just how hard they work day in and day out and then like how present they were with us. One of my like first, I would say competitive memories was 
we would always race my dad. Remember? Oh yeah. Like that everywhere so we'd fun. go, it was a race. So always it was like, a race. you know, and my dad would kick our butts forever. And I think finally, probably not that long ago, we finally beat him in a race, but, or like going, another one was, um, my dad and I used to bike to the library, the public library, and we'd get books all the time. We were big readers and we would bike race home, specifically remembering going up the back alley to Piglets. We'd stop at the bottom of that hill and you'd be like, on your marks, get set, go. No handicap for Nicole, because I'm six or seven. <laughs> it was like full on <laughs> competition. But um, in a way that was good. It's like you're, you are you know, you go against people that are bigger than you, mm-hmm. older than you, and you're not always just going to get a head start because of that. So. Yeah, and I know like, knowing your dad and hearing a lot of these stories over the years, like he, he never really never treated you guys any, any different, you know, as girls Mm -hmm. growing up. Not that he was like trying to, you know, turn you into tomboys or anything, but he would just like treated you just like anybody else. Yep. Girls are just as tough as boys, Mm -hmm. tougher in our household. (laughs) (laughs) So how about mom? Oh gosh, I don't. I mean, I can keep going. I don't know if you guys have anything to add, but um, go ahead. Yeah, we're t- yeah. I was just gonna say, like, keep talking about your dad. I mean, it's kind of what you just said, but like, like the hard work. Like my mom was like the hardest worker, along with my dad. But just seeing her like as a female, like working so hard in the restaurant, and then like. When she was home, it was like we didn't even know like what was going on at the restaurant. It was like she was full time mom, um, and then just like being kind. Like I think my mom is like so kind, and I think seeing that and being around that for so long, like I think that helped all of us. Like, look, you can just be nice. Like you can be kind, and you know, do things in a nice way, even if it kind of upsets you mm-hmm. you can be competitive with each other and with everybody else but yeah. at the end of the day you still are like a good person yeah and i think it was a good balance because my dad was definitely like a little more like competitive than my well he is com- more competitive than my mom and so it was like a healthy balance of like all right like you can be super competitive but then like let's bring you back down and like still you know enjoy enjoy She's life also, like very patient mm-hmm. and she juggles a lot of balls like she is the queen at juggling yeah. multiple different things mm-hmm. and you not even knowing it affects her like you know like dealing not dealing but like doing stuff for her and my dad and having all of us three and then still like doing stuff in the restaurants like she is just like in all of our crazy schedules yeah. as we got older she's like, a queen I try to channel her energy sometimes. Yeah. And then, I feel like I want to go off the rocker yeah. times. I'm like, she would like wake up. Mom. <laughs> she would wake up every morning when we would go to school and make us breakfast. Like every single every morning. Day. Whether that was like cereal and, some mornings or like and lunches and stuff. But every morning she would wake up and get up with us before school. When a lot of parents weren't doing that. I remember picking up friends and their house is dark as they're yeah. waiting to get picked up. Mm-hmm. and not seeing mom up with us would have been weird. Remember, we'd always like lean over the railing and be mom be like, what do you want for lunch? We'd be like, Italian sandwich. Mm. <laughs> she was good at those Did from that, Jersey. Yeah, those are so good. Oh yeah, and the ho-hos. <laughs> yeah. So like picking up from your parents, you, you, know, you talked about dad's competitiveness and 
drive and stuff and then mom's patience and but it sounds like work ethic was a common theme between the two of them just kind of maybe communicated in different ways yeah work ethic and then i also think like self-belief i think they both had a really strong belief in that they could like they could do what anything they put their mind to and mm. i think that trickled down to to yes. us you're always told that, you yeah. know, you can do anything you want, but you're going to have to work hard for it. You're not just going to be given it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, a, I mean, that's probably a principle, a concept that most parents really want their kids to, to grasp. So, I don't know. I mean, does anything from your life experience stand out as to when you realized how important that is or now all of you having kids yourselves, like how you want to convey that into them? I mean, yeah, it's like growing up, right? You see all different types of people, like you have different friends, different ways they're raised. And the one thing that always sticks out to me about the way I felt like we were raised and the way I want, you know, my children and my daughters to be raised is to always appreciate everything you have. You're not given anything for free. It's always hard work, no matter how successful your parents may or may not be. I think instilling that in your kids from a mm -hmm. young age that, yeah, we, you know, maybe we could go buy you that, but you're still going to work for that, mm -hmm. whether that's you know, chores around the house or coming into work with mom and dad or, you know, eventually getting your own job. Um, I think at one point we were given some sort of an allowance, but it was all through work stuff. You know, we weren't just given things um, you know, outside of your normal, like, you know, birthday, Christmas, all that stuff. But we knew that if we wanted something, it's, you got to work for it. I think that's really important because that's not how everyone is mm -hmm. anymore <laughs> yeah i mean like even you know hearing your your parents stories you know from when they were kids and your dad talking about you know from i think he said in fifth grade he had a paper, paper route, route um and mowing lawns and fixing people's bikes and stuff and and you know and understandably so and and um like everybody has has their own story but for in his scenario it was like that that really was the only option. I mean, his parents didn't have, or his mom, um, you know, didn't have the resources, even if she wanted to give those things to her kids, it wasn't an option. And then, uh, you know, and then as you guys were growing up, probably the same thing for a while, but your parents still maintained that priority of like, you know, even if we have the resources to, to want to provide for kids or give, give them those things, it's still important to maintain that discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course in sports, I think that that's something that parents don't have the ability to just hand over success in sports, right? You have to earn it. Everybody has to earn it no matter how privileged you are. Mm -hmm. Um, and you guys played a lot of sports. Everyone's yeah. on an even playing field when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> right. So, and then like, I mean, I think in terms of understanding and learning the importance of work ethic, the value of work ethic is like, it's really when you, when you get to experience like the payoff from something, right? Like whether it's from your job and you get your paycheck or in sports and you get to become more successful or, or better 
uh, whatever you're practicing after hours and hours and days and years of training for that sport. And you guys had a little bit of both. You were working, but also um, super active in different athletics, right? Mm-hmm. Is there any, like, when did you feel like, I mean, all three of you ended up landing on soccer, but uh, did you, was it because you started to see success in soccer and that's why you got focused on that? I think for me, at least I just, I liked soccer the most out of all the sports. Like I remember growing up, it was like, we did a bunch of different sports and then like, you know, as you got older and schedules started conflicting, it was like, okay. I remember my parents being like, all right, like you kind of got to choose like gymnastics or tennis. And mm-hmm. I would always choose which one I liked better, which was tennis, Slowly you know? Yeah. And then it was like, Swimming was like the first out. I swimming, honestly. I like hate it going to the pool in the morning. But I'm grateful for it because I am a pretty decent swimmer. But I think the last decision was like before high school was tennis and soccer. Because I remember playing tennis up until I was in eighth grade. Yeah, I and then it was like earlier. I just liked soccer more. Like I think I had more role models in soccer, like professionally, like Mia Hamm, like. I just felt way more connected to it. And yeah, I think it was always a dream to like pursue that career. And yeah, it just, and then when with Rob coming, who was probably somebody that had a big impact on at least probably me and Ellie's life. Um, Nicole's too, but he coached Ellie and I more. So yeah, for me, it was just, I think I just, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Rob because um, I wanted to ask you guys about, you know, in addition to your parents, like if there were other mentors or like role models you had, whether it was in sports, like Rob, but I don't know, Rob kind of blended uh, the lines between sports and family and personal and all of that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe you know, tell people about Rob. Shout out to Rob Karras, but. Um, <laughs> tell him, yeah, I guess tell us a little bit about what he meant for you guys growing up. I mean, I remember we were looking for a director of coaching and my dad was like interviewing people and we had a few people come stay at the house and they would do their clinic and they weren't really sticking. Um, and then Rob came and he stayed with us and he did a session at the rec center and he was just so fun. And I remember we just like all loved him, like not just as a coach, but just as a person. Um, and he ended up living with us for what, like five years, five yeah, years. My parents guest That's the first time I saw the tennis balls ever come out. Yeah. Soccer. And he was like, he wasn't just like a coach. He was like a brother and like awesome soccer coach. Definitely like one of the role models for me, but then just like, He'd come down for dinner and Berg and I'd be like, Rob, you want some dessert? And we'd like load up his dessert man, <laughs> his bowl with like six scoops of ice cream, Reese's cups, chocolate syrup, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I definitely, a lot of my soccer like career, I think. So he was just hired as a soccer coach, but then moved in with you guys he was like yeah he was like hired as not just as your personal soccer coach but like for the like the director of coaching for jackson soccer and then yeah he lived in my parents guest house but he would also like give 
us private training sessions like oh, in yeah. our yard and there was like he was a brother but he also like had that line of accountability like you weren't going to be late to his practice mm -hmm. you know and I just think obviously our dad was our coach pretty much our whole life and then ha having someone else come in and like get coaching from a different perspective and someone as experienced as Rob mm -hmm. um I mean I think as far as like youth he's probably the best coach yeah I like him and my dad together were yeah pretty awesome yeah i've never asked either of your parents that but i mean now hearing that that story kind of makes me think like you know having three girls that had at that time maybe maybe not solely identified soccer but were definitely like passionate about soccer having a guy like rob who i mean number one you guys got along with your parents got along with them but then having him move in to your house like I mean, it's really maybe some intent there to like have this talented soccer coach to, to help mentor and guide you guys towards a future in that sport. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely. Um, other than soccer or maybe just other than athletics, did you guys have any other interests as, you know, when growing up high school or whatever? Like outside of sports? Sure. Brooke wanted to work in SeaWorld. <laughs> That's like a childhood. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you wanted a horse, too. Yes. No, I didn't have any other interests. I'm horrible at art. I tried to play the violin. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, it was all around sports or being active or, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed spending time with friends and things like that, but it was all. We all sports. liked being active. Yeah. I remember, like, that day you're talking about with Rob, I had a basketball game that evening. Mm -hmm. We had a training session, the first training session with Rob at the rec center. And I remember thinking to myself, I still don't know if Sean knows this, shockly. Um, if I mess my ankle up on one of these tennis balls, he is going to kill me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, even though he was extremely supportive. So I got to yeah. give him that shout out um, for us to play soccer. But um also, like, just as far as being active goes, you know, we, I remember growing up playing basketball, we'd have a Saturday game, so we're done at, you know, two or mm -hmm. one or noon, depending, and I would go skiing the rest of the afternoon, and then I'd want to ski on Sunday in the wintertime, or, you know, obviously we're traveling for soccer a lot, um, I don't remember ever hanging, sitting home. Mm -hmm. like we spent time on the lake. We did a yeah. lot of camping in the summers, which were tons of great memories there. But it was, we were always outside. We were always doing mm -hmm. things. Like we would like in high school, in the fall, we would do cross country practice and then we'd go to soccer mm -hmm. practice. Like we would just, I don't know. It was like normal. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, there's our practice. Yeah, I mean, I think just the whole mentor coaching thing, like I think it's important to know I'm sure I'm speaking for everyone. Like we had a lot of great coaches growing up. Like I see them today and it's still like mm -hmm. hugs, like, you know, like Jason Huggins and at least for me, like Sean Shockley and Ryan Bell and, you know, James Howe probably for you too. Like mm -hmm. they all like in track and everything. And Jeff Brazell even was super supportive when he, you know, mm -hmm. cross country and Ralston like, was super supportive. Yeah, Tom Ralston. Like, it's like all these people like bought into what we wanted. And yeah. Were there to and they all would have done anything to help us. Yeah. Like, especially somebody like, 
Well, yeah, sorry if we did. Um, but like Sean Shockley, like I think about him all the time with basketball. Like yeah. he would let us miss practices sometimes to, because he knew our dreams were to go play soccer. Not a lot of high school basketball coaches would have done that right. when we were, you know, starters on his team. <laughs> and then like teachers and stuff too. I mean, I remember, I mean, you guys would leave school, or at least mm -hmm. Nicole and or, uh, Brooke and Ellie but to travel to Salt Lake mm -hmm. like a few times a week mm -hmm. for soccer practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you leave in like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, you, and you, I mean so yeah, support they, from they, your coaches that were allowing you to miss practices in basketball or cross country or whatever, but then, I mean, your parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's on top of everything else that they had going on at the time, trying to build restaurants and you know, cooking and your mom prepping and and then being like, okay, load up the car at noon and drive to Salt Lake for a soccer practice. Get home at 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I remember leaving school, doing like my homework in the car on the way there and then sleeping on the way back. Yeah, I think a lot of it was just ha also having like great relationships with like your teachers. Mm -hmm. Like it goes back to like work, work ethic. Like they knew you were going to work hard at school. They knew you were mm -hmm. good students. So they were like willing the to trust in you. let you do it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, if any of us were bad students, I don't know if it would have yeah. been that way, you know, but they knew you're going to get your stuff done. So like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how those things translate. Like you're, whether you picked up the work ethic from sports or from academics or how, however they, however it ended up coming to be, they blend together mm -hmm. and are mutually valuable to each other. It's mm -hmm. cool. Um, when do you guys, so on top of all the sports you were playing and trips to Salt Lake and everything, when did you first start working in the restaurants? Mm. Straight out of the womb. <laughs> we are little. I mean, we would just do like, if you want to call it working, yeah. like yeah. when we were like super yeah, little. Like, no, I mean like, yeah, when, when did, when were you, when did you uh -oh. become you like scheduled. part of the team? Oh, high school. Like, like 13. I was like a host at Mary Piglet's and it was terrifying probably like sometimes. 13 in the summer though i didn't we didn't work during school no like, we were too busy with sports i remember starting at it was 13 because i believe legally if your parents own the business you could start working at 13. i remember specifically talking to my parents and i, I think tracy at the time um about can i please work it was weird. I wanted to work. And they created this floater position oh, yeah. where I would basically come in and do help with chips and salsa, refills. But more importantly, I think I basically was the silverware, silverware lady. Like, <laughs> I remember like, sitting yes, here. in the back of green like it was yesterday. Just And I mean, still can roll them in two seconds to this nope. day because of all those dang silverware rolls up, roll ups we did. Uh, and then it went up from there. Then I got promoted to host and eventually server and, you know, all that. <laughs> so that's like, I mean, there's a lot of parallels between your, the time you were spending in the restaurants and the time that you spent in athletics. We already mentioned Tracy, but like, you know, kind of same question about mentors, role models on the, you know, in the restaurant side of your life. I mean, who stands out? Definitely Tracy. Um, she's just been there since we were like two. She mm -hmm. babysit us. 
Um, Tennille, for sure. Tennille was mm-hmm. in the restaurants forever. I don't know how long. I mean, as long as I can remember. Yeah. And probably for me, honestly, Krista Watson, now Stevens, because I just looked up to her so much as a young girl because everyone thought I was her younger sister. <laughs> and I was just so honored because I just thought she was the prettiest <laughs> server ever. <laughs> and she would always take me under her wing when I would go in and help me with everything. Do you guys remember Sandy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Sandy, Sandy Winger. Winger. Yeah, she was another one. We used to run up the back alley with my mom going to work yelling out people's names who we were going to help with yeah. i get neil i get sandy i get tracy <laughs> i get heather i get Britt. you know but i always thought krista yeah and then we would help them and they would <laughs> they would throw us like five bucks for helping do little odds and ends and then we'd go use it by beanie babies usually <laughs> yeah and your mom was there working too yeah. right Mm-hmm. I guess, she, yeah, she was, and it's, I don't remember, like, she, I'm assuming she was either in the kitchen or upstairs doing mm-hmm. book work, but I'm sure my mom in some ways was grateful for all these, like, it's like young half women babysitter. Half. I didn't think about it like they're, that. They're, yeah. She's like, free babysitting. Just bringing yeah. your, being able to bring your kids into work. Yeah. And it's kind of like they're learning. Yeah. They're getting to build relationships mm-hmm. with these other women who are good role models also, and stuff. Yeah. She would always tell them, you don't need to give them any money. <laughs> but they'd always give us like five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Customers probably loved it. I'm sure the servers made more money because of it. <laughs> so obviously you guys went on to, maybe not obviously, but you, all three of you went on to play college soccer. Um, and obviously with your age gaps and everything that brought you back into the professional world at different times. But was it always like obvious to you that you were going to end up back in your parents, not just the restaurant industry, but in your parents company living in Jackson or were there thoughts of maybe doing something else? For me, it was always there. I knew it was going to be something that, I might do. Um, I did. I always loved the restaurants. When I went to college, I decided to major in kinesiology, uh, which I love. The major was amazing. I loved it. Um, but I, I thought I'm going to give myself some options. I'm either going to be a physical therapist or I'm going to go into the business with my parents and I'm going to go to school for something that I enjoy learning about because if I end up going to the business, I know I can learn everything I need to learn from them. Mm. Um, I interned at a couple of physical therapy places, one in town, one in Laramie. Um, and I, it was fun, but I just, I didn't love kind of the routine to it. It was a little bit of the same thing every day, even though you're seeing different patients and you're working on different injuries, it was still like get there at the same time, leave at the same time, not mm-hmm. a lot of flexibility, which you have a little bit more in the restaurant business. Every day is different. Um, I didn't come back into the restaurants right away. I went after college and I coached at University of Colorado for a little while. Um, And for me, excuse me, when I found out that, when I really realized the restaurants was for me is I was living with Clay Judd, who is our general manager at Sidewinders and Jackson currently, he was living in Boulder at the time and I lived with him while I was coaching in Colorado and he owned a salad sandwich shop 
outside of Boulder. It was a Monday through Friday business. And one day he came home and he's just like, oh, I'm so short staffed. I need so much help. And I was like, well, I can help you. I have some extra time around coaching at the University of Colorado. And um, so I went in and helped him for a little while in the afternoons, run the register, make salads for him. And I remember the first time I was in there with him, it felt like home. Even though I'd never been in his restaurant before, it just like, it was so comforting and familiar. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I finished out my season with Colorado um, and told Danny, I was like, you know, I loved it. It was fun. I love soccer. I like coaching, but I want to move back and work in the restaurants. (laughs) So that's when I moved, it was like 2012, I think. So, yeah. And then dove right in. (laughs) What about you guys? I know, Brooke, you mentioned earlier you lived in Denver, thought you wanted to live in Denver. (laughs) You were still working in a restaurant. Yeah. I I can't remember when. I think it was back for a summer in college. I didn't think I wanted to work in the restaurants or I wanted to maybe see if I wanted to do other things. So I did an interior design internship. I forgot about that. I think I lasted like three days. (laughs) And then I like wanted, you know, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't enjoy it. And I remember my dad being like, you need to go in there and tell her like why. And you know, you're done for the summer or whatever. I was like, can I just like call her? (laughs) He's like, no, you need to like go in there like and tell her. So I did. And then after that, yeah, I like kind of knew I wanted to be in the restaurants. I moved to Denver. I worked in Snoods, um, which is like a big brunch place down there. And then I just ended up being over the city and kind of moved back to Jackson. So I think after that interior design internship, I think I was like kind of trying to like maybe convince myself I wanted to try to do something else and pave my own path at a younger age. But I think deep down, I always knew I would be in the restaurant business. When you went to Houston, too, before for soccer. Yeah. Tested that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Didn't like it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, after after college, we went to Houston into a professional camp, and I was just burnt out from soccer at the time, so. (laughs) There, uh, do you guys look back on that and wish that, you had pursued pursued that further like I know you said you were burned out on soccer at the time but yeah um yeah I do I mean I definitely think there's some regrets around pursuing professional soccer for me at least um I don't think Houston was the best choice for me personally Ellie went with me too um it wasn't the best experience when we were there and I think it kind of just made everything my burnout feel worse. I was like, I knew I didn't want to do this. Like I knew I didn't like it. Like I don't like it here. Like no one's nice. Like the coach doesn't even care. Like they're late to pick us up for practice. Like, so I think that, but yeah, I mean, I definitely like one of my best friends, Sophia Hertz is playing on the national team. And I just like, I'm like, that is like so cool. And it was always like a dream. So yeah, there's like a part of me that wishes I would have tried, I guess, harder, but in the time, you know, I like, had dealt with so many knee injuries and my last taste of professional soccer was negative for me. And I was Mm -hmm. just not like hanging up the the cleats. 
so um, now that you guys are, you know, you end up, you ended up all landing back in your family business. Um, do you look back on that, like whether it was your time at the restaurant in Denver or your time coaching or working in the other in Clay's restaurant, like seeing any differences or like why you feel more at home doing what you're doing now? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think like working in Denver, it was a great perspective for me to be working for a different restaurant group that wasn't my family's. And I was just like, I mean, I was just a server there, expo, a food runner. Like I wasn't in management like I am now, but it was really cool, like seeing it from an outsider's perspective um, and like seeing how much you know, their managers were working and their types mm -hmm. of lifestyle they had. And, um, yeah, I just think Jackson is home for me. And I think that's where I want it to be. And obviously having the restaurants was a huge win. So what's it like working professionally with your entire family? It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, like any thing, there's always like, you know, there's always some challenges because you're dealing with, like, your family, like, your sister, but then also, like, you have to, like, take away, like, the emotion and be like, okay, they're my, they're doing this in a professional world and same with our parents. So it's awesome. I want to change it for the world. And I think it's taught us a lot about, like, how to navigate, like, different situations and different personalities mm -hmm. and how to handle certain situations. Is there any ever been any like um, you know, talking about navigating different situations where people look at you like, well, you're the parent or the owner's kids or whatever, and how have you guys worked through that? Um, I think at first it was definitely a challenge, at least for me, before I moved back to really start my career in restaurants. It was different because I was serving, bartending, doing everything that. I had bosses, you know, I had managers at the time, but when I moved back, I was still doing a lot of that, but I started working into management more and it was really, it was challenging at first because going into a place like Sidewinders and picking up some managing shifts as I was learning, Tennille was teaching me a lot of things. Um, you know, those bartenders have been there forever you know, like Sam and Nick and Graham and Art at the time. And some of them are still working for us now. And I'm 21, 22, and I'm running the show that evening. Um, that was a challenge just because I, I think it was a learning experience for all of us, like for me and for everybody else that I've really grown up around because they're having to kind of trust me and give me the that respect but i also had to earn it mm -hmm. um i remember you know just thinking okay i've got to like work really hard i've got to show them i know what i'm doing but then also not being afraid to like ask them questions being like hey you guys have been here a lot longer like i feel like i can cut the cigar bar server like do you think that's good you know and just kind of working through those things together um there was definitely some bumps in the road, but I think overall, like work ethic and kind of leaving that 
like sense of, I don't know, pride or ego at the door where it's like, I didn't want to be known as like, oh, she got this job because mm -hmm. she's Joe and Denise's daughter. Like, obviously that helped me get the job, but I'm keeping that job because of my work performance, mm -hmm. you know, and the things that I can bring to the table personally. Um, but yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of navigating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, developing that trust with your team is mm -hmm. super important for any type of leadership position. Um, and Nicole, you already talked a little bit about like how you, you personally went and accomplished that uh, in those environments. But I guess kind of bigger picture, like what traits do you think are important for someone in that position to exhibit in order to earn the trust of, of their team? Like, you know, put yourself back in those shoes as a 21 year old restaurant manager and you're trying to, you know, manage a team of people who've worked there for, you know, since you were a kid, mm -hmm. how do you earn that, that trust? Um, well, I already touched on this, but working hard, asking questions, um, not acting like I'm, I'm Joe's daughter, do what I say type mm -hmm. of thing, or Joe and Denise's daughter. The one thing I'll say that I learned, it was a little bit of a hard lesson, but at the time, looking back, I see it now, but at the time I was like, I don't get why everyone's so mad at me. Like, you know, I'd be at the restaurants working and then I'm going home to mom and dad. Like at the time I had just moved back. So I was living in this house for a little while um, with my now husband and we're eating dinner and I'm just like talking about what was going on in the restaurants. And I ended up getting people in trouble sometimes because I would just openly say things or, you know, mm -hmm. and then I remember having some conversations with, um, I don't know if they remember Tennille and Graham at the time and them kind of being like, Hey, like, so these are some things, you know, and I, of course, was not happy about that. But now looking back, I'm like, okay, yeah, we've got to being able to separate kind of church and state, you know, family and restaurant life and know when is the time to kind of let the other managers and the team do their job. And when I do need to kind of yeah. step in and say things. Because yeah, you were basically just coming home and like sharing your day with my your day. parents, <laughs> yeah. not coming home as a, or yeah. coming as a restaurant manager and sharing your day with the owners of the restaurant. Yeah, definitely not intentionally trying to get people in trouble. I, I was probably naive in that sense and a mm. little bit clueless, like thinking, oh, well, yeah, she took a break or he went and did this, but I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal, but apparently it is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, there was no manager. Oh, yeah, they, oh, sorry. <laughs> Can you guys, do you guys agree with that, Rocanelli, in terms of almost kind of the pressure that existed as, you know, as the owner's kids to, and how that affected your ability to, like, reincorporate into the team or lead lead the parts of the team? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I still think today it's like constantly like mm -hmm. proving ourselves and almost doing more, mm -hmm. working harder, you know, like working mm -hmm. harder, doing more, not like broadcasting that to everyone else on the team, but just like going above and beyond because people definitely do, you know, it's normal for them to think, <clears throat> oh, they're just here because they're the boss's daughter or like, they don't even care or, you know, they're here because they have to be here. But, um, yeah, it's definitely always been a 
it was definitely a struggle for me. I feel like within the last couple of years, I've really like come into myself more with that, um, especially like with being on the leadership team now and, you know, finding my voice. And I'm not like this little girl anymore. Like I'm, you know, able to make decisions and things like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like imposter syndrome yeah. a little bit where you are like, in a position, whether you, whether you know how you got there or not. And then you're like, man, am I really qualified? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember, I mean, just personally being as a young restaurant manager and feel and feeling like it was a lot of pressure yeah. of like, okay, I'm, I'm responsible for this whole restaurant or mm -hmm. for the whole team or whatever. Um, don't screw it up. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's people that are looking at you for, you know, direction and, and advice and, you know, support. Um, but now it's like, I mean, I don't know, I guess I don't really see, see I don't look at those managerial positions as like something that ha has a ton of pressure on it. And I'm sure it didn't when I was there either. It was just like my understanding yeah, of it, you know? When I think too, like, all of our managers that have been around for a while know that all of us sitting here did all these things, but we, it's not like we just woke up one day and we're helping run the company. Mm -hmm. You know, we all like my, my parents did a really good job at making sure we all went through the trenches and we did everything, um, you know, from hosting, busing, serving, bartending, mm -hmm. cooking a little bit of grilled cheeses here and there. Um, and then into management eventually. So, yeah. When I when I interviewed your parents, they both mentioned like no special parking spaces, yeah. and that whole mentality obviously extended down to you guys as their kids. I mean, thinking about like someone like Tracy, right? Like mm -hmm. we met her. I was in second grade when she came over to babysit us for the mm -hmm. first time, and now we work side by side with each other. And you know, she asked, she okay's things with me, but which is so crazy because she was like my babysitter and mm -hmm. one of my mentors. And, but now it's like, we're a team, you know, we bounce things off of each other and that relationship evolves over time. And it's all through the way that, you know, you prove yourself and your work ethic and support and all those things that you're taught. How did you guys end up landing kind of in your individual roles? in the company um is that just through your own personal experience or you think it's tailored to kind of your personalities or what i think mine's definitely to my person <laughs> but it's also really like to my personality i mean i yeah i definitely enjoy doing like a lot of the like bookwork stuff but i'm definitely more like quiet and i don't really love public speaking and just like making like decisions on the spot like I can do it but it's just like not my favorite I like to kind of like do my own thing and I, I can do it really well um but yeah I just think that tailors to my personality I'm just I'm more quiet and like to be kind of by myself a little bit but I mean there were there was a time when you were serving as a restaurant manager as well mm -hmm. you weren't just or a yeah. server or a bartender. Yeah. You're a really good bartender. Yeah. So, and I do enjoy it. I will clarify. I do really enjoy being like in the restaurant on the floor and 
working with the staff. Like I do really enjoy that. I just, I also really enjoy the other aspect, mm -hmm. but yes, I serving, like I love serving, but like when I first started serving for a long time, like I'd get really nervous just with like the interactions with the guests and like getting stressed out because like, I just got double set or I'm in the weeds or, oh my God, I forgot to put someone's order in and my notebook was on like disorganized. <laughs> and then like, for some reason, Nicole decided to like make me a bartender at Noodle Kitchen, which I have no idea why. And gotta learn. I just was like, <laughs> it was just painfully slow. Like I remember a customer saying like, you were painfully slow, not the restaurant. No, no, I was slow. Like I remember a customer just saying like, are you okay back there? Like <laughs> you're supposed to be having fun. And I was studying a drink card, like trying to make this drink because people were getting their food before their drinks. And I was just like stressed and like <laughs> the black book was my favorite. Like someone asked for a greyhound, a greyhound, and I was like, "You got it." And I like turn around to the black book, and I'm like, and then I see Nicole or Blaine walk by, and like, "What's a greyhound?" <laughs> it's like it's a fancy word for black. So I I love it, but I definitely think I maybe enjoy the other aspect just a little more. Yeah, how is how is your like professional experience and just kind of your life in general for all three of you guys like changed from throughout that process from working as servers or bartenders or hosts to restaurant managers to what you're doing now? I'll start. <laughs> like, um, I mean, what I'm doing now is nothing like what I used to do. Um, I, the one thing that kind of sticks out to me the most I obviously went through all the positions, um, like I said earlier, floater, hosting, busing, waitressing. Um, my first bartending gig was at Ignite, um, which was a very difficult bar to learn on. Uh, a lot of specialty cocktails, which is now Noodle Kitchen. Um, and then also Betty Rock serving there. That's actually where I learned how to serve first with Tennille um, as the manager. And then I went over to Piglet's and started serving. But, um, and now being in, you know, a main leadership role, helping, you know, oversee everything going on in Jackson, it's, I've always enjoyed, I don't know, I don't want to say being in charge, but like I've always enjoyed like helping make decisions and, leading from the front and, you know, trying to stay calm and cool. Um, I remember in high school in the summers, um, I, I worked a full schedule in the restaurants, but I always wanted to. Um, I always loved picking up extra shifts and working. And I remember working a double on the 4th of July because we needed a busser. So I bussed during the day and then served that night. Um, and I remember serving at Piglet's and it's 9.30 and none of the wait waitresses want to take any more tables walking in the door. And I never understood that. I was always like, why? I don't understand. You guys just want to sit back there? I'll take all the tables and I'd make an extra hundred bucks sometimes. I'm like, that's fine. You guys can sit back there and do all the silver roll rolling that I hated and I'll make money. <laughs> um, yeah. do, you, do you ever miss those like like being in, more in that role instead of what you're doing now? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't say I miss it. I think it was a very important part of my life and my journey to where I'm at now. Um, I have no interest in serving or really bartending ever again, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, I think the one thing that's still a big juggling piece and just how um, your job evolves is when I was like full-time managing, you know, between, I guess at the time it was like Noodle and Liberty Burger and helping a pizza artisan with you guys, um, is that really, really good connection one-on-one -on -one with the employees, the staff of each restaurant mm -hmm. and the role I am in now, it's obviously a lot harder to know everyone on such a detailed level because with all the employees that we have now and I try to do that with our managers since that's kind of the next step from where I am at now is when I was in the restaurants, it was me to the staff. Um, I miss that sometimes just like really understanding people, mm -hmm. but you know, there's always a give and take with everything you do. What are you, what are you guys most passionate about in the business now? Like, is there anything that like you, you know, you can go in and feel like I'm not even at, not even having to go in to work necessarily. It's just because you enjoy that part of what, what you do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like interacting like everyone that we have on our team, mm -hmm. like seeing people every day and getting to work and get along with everyone really well. Um, and it really feels like work. And I think a big part for me is like, kind of like carrying on the family legacy, you know, like not like, I don't want to like let my parents down. Like I want it to continue to grow and succeed. And I think like internally, I'm always looking about or thinking about like how I can like push the needle a little bit more. Like how can we like get a little bit more, like do a little bit better. I think that's like the big passion part for me is like not letting my parents down. <laughs> I think too, like no pressure. development, yeah. you know, we're big on developing people mm -hmm. inside and outside of work um, and seeing whether it's staff managers or members of the leadership team grow into their roles and expand their capabilities and teaching them and again, helping in and outside of work when needed. Um, that's a big like a thing that I enjoy a lot as well, you know, recently with our leadership team, having, having that big expansion in the last couple of years from just mm -hmm. being, you know, us to now having a, a great team around us, but then helping have them get developed into their roles and pushing them to be better and helping. Um, and then myself too, like pushing me to be like, okay, we're, what do I need to start focusing more on and delegating more and supervising and all those things. Um, yeah, where do you guys get that from in terms of like, I mean, I know we spend a lot of time trying to help other people grow and develop, but obviously there's a lot of, a lot of growth and development for us as well. And where do you guys feel like you get that from? Probably like my parents. Mm -hmm. And then I think also like each other. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely get it from my parents, but then like working alongside, well, really, I just work alongside you right now. 
<laughs> but still, like, I talk to them every day, and I think you can learn a lot from, like, I learn a lot from, like, each one of you, which then internally makes me better, which then I can, like, bring back to the business, whether that's with what I'm doing or helping a team member, which then also makes the business stronger. Mm-hmm. I think it's what's kind of what's special about us as a family and us as a company is we all get along, of course, but we can push each other. I, I feel like I get, you know, people pushing me, whether it's from my, my mom or dad, um, you know, like you and I have a lot of really good conversations that I feel like push, you know, push me to be thinking differently and, thinking better or thinking outside the box in a lot of ways, but then even from our like leadership team, like we talk about this all the time in our weekly meetings, like we all have very similar personalities. I think you do when you get to this level of leadership, but we can really, we can kind of go at each other and push each other and disagree, but we also get along very well. And um, we can have a lot of heated arguments and mm -hmm. debates and, we come to a conclusion. I think all those, all the people that are kind of not against you, but like questioning things or should we do it this way instead? Or, you know, that's how you grow. What about like any external sources, like outside of your family and the company? I mean, where do you get inspiration from as a leader or, you know, in the business side of things or just your personal life? Like podcast. Which podcast? Um, I mean, like lately I've been listening to like a lot of Nick Bear's podcasts mm -hmm. um, about like how he started VPN and then the new CEO that just took over Kat is like, you know, like a female and um that's like kind of what, where I got that like pushing the needle thing was from listening to something like that. Um, it's just interesting to hear people's other perspective about like, you know, leading a company or coming into a company or, you know, like they say like the leader doesn't always have to be the MVP, you know, and I just, that's probably like one of the main ones I've been listening to more so. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, you're, you guys are still athletic. You still challenge yourselves in whether it's running or mm -hmm. mountain biking or other things, right? Is there you're still getting anything out of that, like competitive mm -hmm. spirit and stuff? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I'd like to do a lot of trail running. And I think that kind of fills like the part of me that still likes to be competitive and, um, kind of like my mental side like I think a lot of people think like oh like she's running because she you know it's physical which it obviously is but for me it's a lot of mental and like put when I push myself running it also when I'm doing that it helps me tap into like okay if I can push myself in this like if something in the business is uncomfortable for me which would be like sitting down and having to like fire someone like that's like super uncomfortable for me like I get knots in my stomach but being uncomfortable is how you get better and so when I'm extra like running in a race and you tap into that it helps me be like okay like you can also mm -hmm. sit down and do something hard in the business pushing yourself out, outside of your comfort zone yes so running for you mainly 
Yeah, mainly running. I mean, I like to mountain bike, but <laughs> I mean, uphill. I just like going uphill. I'd rather like someone else take my bike downhill and I would just like to run. How do you push yourself out of, out of your comfort zone? <laughs> Definitely mountain biking. Um, that was like something I found post soccer that I like really became passionate about, I guess. Um, I've like, before I had Nash, I did like a summer of probably like four or five mountain bike cross country races, like 30 miles. And I think it was like the same thing, like just finishing that race and like, you know, like placing and like the top 10, like is just really cool. And then I think another thing, just sports in general is like surfing. Like I, obviously we live in Wyoming, but surfing when I met Nate, it's like the most challenging thing for me, but I'm like so addicted to it. Mm. I just like go out and I just like want to do better. Like I just like the next time I go out, I just want to like catch more waves or whatever it is. So I think it's depending on like the season and where I am, it's always tied to like sports for me. Nicole, you've had severe knee sur or injuries and surgeries. How has that impacted your ability to like sort of have athletic uh endeavors that push you out of your comfort zone and how have you like coped with that um i mean it's made it challenging for sure i after college i got really into crossfit for a while and i think that com competition mm -hmm. and competitiveness of crossfit and i loved that and i craved that um and then yeah, I had my, I had another knee surgery. Um, I go to the gym still, you know, in the mornings, but that's something that I guess now having like two girls and I feel like besides, you know, with the gym, I go hiking. I obviously am outside a lot. I try to be active, but, um, that's something that is a little bit lacking, like in my day to day, I guess. It's something that I feel like I haven't found that thing. You know, I bike on like, I have a Peloton that I bike on. I like that. Cause that's a little bit of competition. Cause you can see the leaderboard and like, obviously you have your own personal mm. PR goals. Um, I, I would love to be able to like, you know, go out and play soccer again, whether it's, um, with coaching or playing, uh, my knee is definitely very limiting to me in that. Um, I don't ski much anymore, but that being said, I, you know, I have my outlets. Uh, I have my girls that we do a lot of things now that they're getting older. Like Reagan's just started to get into soccer and gymnastics and skiing. So that's been very fun. Like in a little bit of that challenge, you know, I can yeah. help her help teach her how to do things and like, playing soccer with her is like brings me a lot of joy so um parenting yeah. in general yeah. just it's just pushes like, you out of your comfort it's zone it's definitely a, a bit. different yeah it's a different like chapter in my life and i'm very content i have not you know i'm not unhappy by any means i love my day-to-day -day. um but yeah it's just it, it looks a little different now mm -hmm. than it used to so yeah i mean on that subject like how has becoming a parent changed you know your life experience and balancing that with what you do in the company and stuff mm. nicole you've got the most experience out of anybody at the table here yes so. i do um 
it's like changed everything, you know, like you guys know now, but, um, you have a kid and your life totally changes. Obviously it's for all the good things. Right. But yeah, balancing everything and it's not easy at times. That's for sure. Um, balancing, you know, full-time mom, dad duty or parent life, but then also helping run a company, you know, those are challenges every day and how you balance those things. But I think you, like for me, I came to a, a realization where I was like, okay, I had Reagan and I had, I had a hard time at first because I felt like, how am I going to be the mom that I want to be to her? I want to be like present. I want to help raise her. I don't want someone else to raise her. Like mm -hmm. I want to be there, but I love my job, you know, and I like love my career. I love overseeing things and working in the company. I would be a horrible stay at home mom. Like I was just not, it would not, I would not be a very good person. And, you know, I think there's, everyone has their paths and there's no right or wrong answer in what you do. But, um, I remember, I think I was actually talking to Tennille and she was like, you'll figure it out. Like you will find the balance. If that's what you want to do, you will figure it out. And you do like people always say, how do you, how do you balance being a mom and working? I'm sure you guys hear it too, being a dad. And, um, you, you do, you figure it out. You, you kind of prioritize what's important, what maybe things in the past that I was like, crazy about in some ways. Like I used to work, I just used to go to the restaurants just to go to the restaurants. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to go work. And I would work when I maybe didn't need to. And now like trusting the team when I want to be with my kids at soccer practice or be home with them at night. If my husband's working, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a juggling act, but you do, you, you start to prioritize what's important in life and business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean the family dynamic of, I mean, the restaurants being part of your your family life since you were little kids has been such a huge um, component mm -hmm. of your experience, and that's doesn't seem like that's going away anytime soon. Um, how do you like? Where do you see that that going now that you've we've all got kids, and um, yeah, I mean, both for your roles and I guess the company in general. Like, where do you see everything heading? And how is it connected to that family dynamic? Like, where do you see like the company going? Is that what yeah, you're or yeah, and and like your personal roles and how it how it you know is impacting the family as a whole. Um, I mean, for me, like I will always want to work and be involved in the restaurants. Um, I. Definitely, I like to also like be home with Tucker too. Um, so I think like currently right now, like I'm not in the restaurants as much as I used to be. And that has been like, that's my own personal choice and I enjoy it, but it's definitely like a, it's hard sometimes. It's just like a balancing act. It's like, oh, what are these people thinking? And I'm never there, but then it's like, and when I'm not home with Tucker, I'm like, oh, I like miss being a mom. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, I kind of see my role kind of staying the same as time goes on because I also want to like be there when 
to take Tucker to sports practice or to cook him dinner or to wake up with him in the morning. Although once he goes to school, like, I guess I'll probably be in the restaurants a lot more mm-hmm. because yeah, if he's not home, I'll probably, I guess I'll probably be working more, more, I guess. Yeah. I guess like we, we've talked with our, our teams over the years about um, how the company can kind of offer a, a life experience I hate to say offer a life experience, but it's compatible with life experience that's either more, you know, family and quality of life oriented, which is a priority to some people, and on the other end of the spectrum, more career oriented. And it's like neither of those are, are right or wrong. It's just it just depends on, you know, and I'm sure I think that we've all been in different parts of that spectrum over the course of our careers. But like, yeah, I guess where do you feel drawn or like are you driven more on by one end of that spectrum or the other? I feel like I'm maybe a little more drawn to the family. What was the other word you used? I don't know, like quality of life or something. Quality of life with still work. Like Mm -hmm. work is still very important to me, but I think I'm a little more drawn to like, you know, that family side, especially like with us working together. I think Mm -hmm. that provides like a different dynamic. Um, so yeah, I guess I'd maybe fall a little bit on that side if I had to be completely honest with myself. But obviously the company is still growing. I mean, we're getting ready to open another Sidewinders in Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, somebody's driving that, that growth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you too, bro. But Nicole's kind of like, Nicole's kind of, I think personally has always been like more like, like she said it herself. She like, I like love my job too, but she really loves her job. Do you agree with that? She's I, been more like, I feel like she's more career. Yes. You kind of always been. Like I'm definitely drawn to like, you know, I always think like, how can I like still be present in the restaurants and be successful, but also like be as home. time goes on, I get to spend more time with Nash, mm-hmm. you know, um, not, that doesn't mean like not working at all for me. It's just is like, how can I be more efficient with my time almost? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think sports helped a lot with yeah. that too. And I think I do a lot of stuff. Like obviously I do a lot of social media stuff. I do like a lot of that stuff at home. Like, you know, like not just the classic nine to five. Like yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, morning. I guess when I ask that question, I don't mean like, you know, are you looking to retire no. soon so that you can yes. so that you can be at home? <laughs> the but, right but, age of thirty over there. But like, how has it impacted your, uh, you know, your role or the things that you want to focus on, or how you're making an impact, you know, on the team and within the company? Like, are you intentionally trying to find other ways, or you know, new, different ways to, you know, prov- like create value um, rather than uh you know what what you've done historically yeah i think i try to come up with different ways i mean i think like obviously work is the restaurants and the company is a huge priority for me but like my family is always going to come first Mm -hmm. and if that means going into noodle kitchen on because they need help or like being with Nash because he's sick, then I'd probably choose to be with Nash hoping someone else on the team could like pick up that. Yeah. So that's like definitely my priority. And I do try to find other ways to continue to like contribute 
if I am doing those things. Yeah, I mean, regardless of where, I mean, no, nobody's at total, like, yeah. polar ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, obviously, Nicole, even everybody, you know, saying that you're more career-oriented doesn't mean that you don't also, you know, prioritize family and, and personal life and all that stuff. But, but I think it's interesting how you guys have that balance and that, you know, maybe... Um, you know, those provide value to the organization in different ways. I mean, like if you're really kind of driving the growth, um, you know, with new restaurants and, and helping existing restaurants develop and stuff, that's a different impact than what Ellie makes for sure. You know, I think what's unique and is special about all of us is that we all kind of found our niche, you know, if, I mean, really, at the end of the day, if, like, we all wanted to do what Ellie's doing or we all wanted to do what me or Brooke's doing, that would be a problem, mm -hmm. you know? Then we might not all get along and have such great relationships and work-life balances, but um, the fact that we've kind of landed where we all have landed without causing huge issues, um, I mean, that's definitely special. <laughs> where do you see, like, the... I mean, the three of you as the extension and the next generation from your parents and then the rest of our leadership team, like what, where, where are you all collectively guiding this organization to? Like what, where do you see this heading? Well, I mean, we've had these talks, but whether it's in growth as in more restaurants that we've talked about internally in Jackson area, Bozeman area. Um, you know, like my dad says, it's all up to us, even though we all know that he still enjoys that thrill of new concepts and opening new places. Um, so really it's, do I think we're going to continue to grow? Yes, because we've already had those conversations. I think that's exciting. Um, I think we also all agree and are on the same page about like family work-life balances. I think we all want to be present with our families. Um, none of us, I don't think, have any intention of wanting to open a Sidewinders in California or New York City. Um, we want to have things that we can not have to, you know, be that person getting on an airplane every month to go fly to check on locations. So I think for me, it's being, whether we have four more restaurants or no more restaurants, mm -hmm. it's just being the best that we can be in our professions. Um, and for me personally, still, you know, being a good mom, a present mom and, taking my kids hopefully on weekends to soccer tournaments or basketball or whatever they decide to do. And, um, I think about my, our childhood growing up, I, I, my husband and I talk about this a lot. It's like, you know, our parents worked really hard growing up and kind of feel like we're doing the same thing, but hopefully we can, you know, enjoy, spending time with our kids yeah. and, you know, kind of doing what they're doing now. And not <laughs> to take anything away from like what your parents were going through and their experience when you guys were kids, but the company is a lot different mm -hmm. now 
than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so scaling or continuing to grow, even if you just stay on the same trajectory, um, the, I mean, just the work experience, the, your professional experience and balancing that with the personal life is inherently different today than it, than it was, uh, even, even, you know, for us 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I guess like, you know, one of my final questions, like, is there anything that you really focus on or that you think is most impactful in a, in accommodating that growth um, as leaders in the business and for you as parents and in your personal lives? I think it's just like building a great team around you, which I feel like we've done and maybe there's other people that join that, but I think that's like the main thing for us to continue to grow and be able to have that work-life balance is finding and people that want to continue to push it as much as you do and people you can trust. And I mean, I remember before we had the leadership team and it was like Nicole, me and Tracy, and we were just like, you know, it was a lot harder than Jackson, but now we have Brian and Jeremy here. It's like just having that, help and people that you can rely on it's like mm-hmm. definitely going to help the growth i remember dad saying that i mean and mom too probably is they wouldn't have continued to do what right. they did if they didn't have good people because you don't you don't want to live in your job you know you want to work to live or whatever they say and if you don't create and help build a good team around you then that you will live in the restaurants and your, your parents i mean obviously there's there's lots of other great team members that they had over the years yeah, or still have but they also had the three of you that came into the business as right. you know key players and building that team around them what do you guys look for in who you surround yourselves with mm-hmm. It's like hardworking, humble, kind, and trustworthy people. It's kind of like a person with like really good character, I think. Like matters a lot. It's better than bad character. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the same values that we have in a sense, right? Like you, every, not, every, not everybody's going to be the same, but everybody has a similar the people that you trust with the restaurants when you're not there you know they have the same drive the same care for the place like Mm -hmm. it's their own um i know like our leadership team specifically i feel like they all do care about the restaurants as much as we do and i think that's important yeah like how do those how do those values translate into the restaurant experience specifically like you talk about being kind and hardworking and trustworthy, but like, what does that mean for a restaurant team member or for a leadership team member to be hardworking? Um, how can they, how can they like exhibit that? I think there's a lot of ways, obviously, but one way is just like, not just standing around like telling people what to do like just going and either doing it by doing it yourself 
or doing it with them, um, I think is a, like leading by example, I think is a big trait. Um, I think like the kindness thing is like going back to what I just said, like, you're not just going to like, if someone messes up, you're not just going to yell at them and get mad at them. You're going to maybe look at the bigger picture. Like, does this person have something going on? Are they new at this job? And kind of like learn to understand your people and talk to them in a way that will motivate them and help them learn and gain confidence rather than like kind of tearing them apart. And like building, obviously we talk about our culture all the time in our company and that started with, you know, my, our mom and dad and mm. the working hard and working hard, but not, not necessarily, well, not complaining about it, but working hard and being humble about it where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go in and do this because I need to, this is what the business needs and I want to do it, but I'm not going to just project that to everybody, mm -hmm. you know, you look what I did. That's for recognition. This, I went did that. Yeah. Right. And then also really just taking that care for whether it's your staff at your restaurant or the management team and looking at them as human beings and not people that are just in your restaurants, you know, helping you make money or helping mm -hmm. your restaurant succeed like little pawns in a game, but um, actually caring about them. And I think, the fact that we have so many long-term employees in our company attests to that, even in Bozeman now, like you guys have so many that have been with you from day one. And I think a lot of that goes back to our culture and how we, how we take care of people. And if we're not doing that, then how, how would we yeah. expect our management team to do that? But it's awesome when you do see that and you see a management team member or leadership team member doing something proactively yeah. taking mm -hmm. care of like, just exhibiting that like loyalty to a team member or looking out for them on a personal level. Yeah. And like seeing them, seeing somebody come to you and be like, Hey, like this person's been working really hard mm -hmm. and they've been going above and beyond. They were, is it okay? Or I was thinking about, you know, getting this for them, you know? And I just think them it's even the coming up with that idea is the greatest thing ever because yeah. it's like most, that's not, I don't, I unfortunately don't feel like that's normal anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And I always look at that as that's like one of the best perks of, you know, of having this organization that is so, you know, fortunately successful and we have those resources to do those types of things. And that's just always like a good reminder of like, that's why we, mm -hmm. that's why we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, one of the things I want to ask everybody that, we interview on the podcast is the same, this common question of like, how has the concept of service impacted your life? And you guys obviously grew up in the restaurants. You have served on teams, you know, athletically and in your communities. Um, I guess for each of you, or maybe collectively, what stands out is how the how that life of service has impacted you. Um, I, I think one way is like, when you think of service, like whether it's being on a sports team or in the restaurant or in your family, um, it's doing 
whatever, whatever role you're in doing the best possible job you can do. Because to me, that means you're helping serve the team around you or your family or the job. Because if you can be the best version of yourself in each of those moments, you're serving the people around you the best that you can be, can do. So having this, this team of people, whether it's a sports team or, or the company, but looking at that as like you're, you're serving the team is bigger than serving you, yourself as an individual. Yeah. Do you think you would ever even feel driven to work as hard as you do if it was not about the team? Um, I think about playing like an individual sport instead of a team sport. I think the team definitely like brings it out of me a little more. Um, but it like goes back to even like being a mom, like, you know, whether no matter how hard or your day was, like when you come home, like mm -hmm. you are now going to be the best version of yourself for your, your son or your, your husband family is your, or your family. Cause it's not fair to your family. If you come back in like a crappy mood, mm -hmm. like they just want you to like be their mom or be their wife. So, yeah, that's how I think of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with Ellie. I think just being the best you can be, like, will trickle down to everyone that you're working with. And to me, that's like, you know, service. I mean, I think some people think of service as like the steps of service or whatever it is, or you do this, this, and this. But, um, I just think it's, you know, like putting everything into perspective, like something bad happens, like, is it really that bad? Like, you know, that's like a big thing for me that I've been doing lately, is just like putting everything into perspective. And I feel like that helps me be like that best version of myself, which correlates to working with other people and helping them be the best versions of themselves. Um. I mean, for me, it's all the things that uh, you guys hit on, but we all, no matter what you're doing, everyone's doing some form of service, you know, whether it's in a restaurant or to a family or to your country or in a job where you're only working for yourself, you know, there's service everywhere, but um, like serving customers and like with employees like all of that I think is an important part of in some ways creating like a good human being <laughs> like I feel like if you're serving somebody else whether it's your children or like your family or your employees or customers it's making it is making you a better person um I feel like more understanding um kinder, um, you know, better leader, um, service is kind of what makes us who we are in a lot of ways. Um, you know, serving in, on a soccer team in college, it's like, there's all these different levels, you know, where you're just a, you're a teammate, which is serving your teammates and your coaches and all that. And then maybe you're a captain one day where you're leading your teammates, but you're also you know, it's still a form of service. Um, yeah, I think people have a misconception there that like, oh, like when, you know, you work towards these leadership positions, whether mm -hmm. it's 
in a company or being the captain of a team for like, you know, and those people tend to get the the recognition or whatever. They're at the you know, forefront of the of the team or the organization. Mm-hmm. And yet, really, what that means is just coming along with more responsibility mm-hmm. to serve your team, right? Like yeah. the captain of the team is there because they are responsible and looking out for the team as a whole and as all of your individual teammates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Same thing in a company. Yeah, I mean, as you grow in a company and in a role, you there's more and more things and people you have to serve. Where mm-hmm. It's like your immediate team, the managers, the customers, like it widens the net of service um, and it changes the way you have, you know, you do your service because your roles grow and evolve. So, um, yeah, it kind of it, it molds you to who you are, you know, in your life and your yeah. business. I definitely feel that way. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like even just having this conversation with the three of you and getting to, I mean, obviously I've known you for a long time, but <laughs> But there's, I mean, I still learned a lot talking, you know, about your histories and getting your perspective, more importantly, on on what services and how it's impacted your lives. I feel like I learn a lot, you know, from having those conversations with other people that have dedicated so much of their lives to that concept. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Um, Thanks for having us. Do you guys want to just, I guess, let anybody know that's the cares to listen to this, like, where they could find you or where they, you know, could continue that, this conversation with you, like in the restaurants or in your community or what broke on social media. (laughs) I was just going to say Instagram. Tag your Instagram, (laughs) plug your Instagram. Um, You could find me in all the restaurants in Jackson. Um, All of our restaurants are probably on the mountain occasionally or the trails in the summer, but thanks for tuning in to another episode of the service first podcast join us on our mission to spread the word and inspire others to lead with a service first mindset by sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the service first podcast on your favorite platform we can't wait to connect with you and continue this important conversation about service community and leadership